Welcome to season three of the Lifestyle Chase, and I'm your host, Chris Little. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. To help this podcast grow, please share it on social media, rate five stars, tell your friends, and check out the past 140 episodes and counting. You can follow me on Instagram at Christian Little and at The Lifestyle Chase. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. So I started a partnership with True Local recently, and you might be wondering, what does that mean? Well, let's talk about it. I am a big fan of supporting local. Being a farm kid, I really value seeking out local farms that I can support, and True Local allows me to do that. It's also Canadian-owned and expanding into the U.S. If you order from True Local at truelocal.ca or truelocalusa.com and use the code TRUELIFESTYLECHASE, You can redeem it for three pounds of grass-fed lean ground beef in your first two orders or one pound of grass-fed lean ground beef in your first two orders of a small box. Or alternatively, if you like bacon, you can use the promo code APLITTLEBACON and you can get one pound of delicious bacon added to all of your regular orders in addition to four boneless skinless chicken breasts in your first three orders of a regular size box. In a small box, you can still get one pound of bacon added to your first three orders. And remember, at the end of the day, eat protein. Thank you and enjoy listening to or watching The Lifestyle Chase. All right, so welcome to The Lifestyle Chase. This is episode 164. And I have a long-awaited guest with me today. His name is Eric Turner. He is an NLL lacrosse player, but with that being said, I kind of want him to introduce himself with his own words. So how would, how would you introduce yourself? Like if you were going to uh, do your write-up for a podcast and you were like, okay, this is how I want people to hype me up. This is how I want people to describe me. What would that sound like? Well, the number one space where I introduce myself right now is in in the coaching realm to a bunch of young kids. So it usually starts out with, uh, hi, I'm Eric. Uh, I've been playing lacrosse for 18 years. I play professionally for the Colorado Mammoth. I played my collegiate lacrosse at Cornell University uh, and just really excited to be here. That's awesome. And like (laughs) when I was uh, doing a little bit of my research before the episode, like what really stands out about you is your work with kids kind of just being someone that's able to kind of play that role. Not all athletes are able to be like good coaches. Not all people are able to kind of like fill that role. And it's not to say that uh, not all athletes would have that potential. It's just, it takes a certain amount of like um, character to hone that skill and to be able to uh, be the person that, that kids need Um, with all the turbulence, just like the, the different shifts that have had to happen in like professional sports and in fitness in general. Um, what are three things that have kind of stood out to you just in the last year? And it could honestly be anything just like pulling out from a cloud. But like, uh, what are the three things that you've reflected on the most? I think what this last year has really shown me and and part of it has been through some of the athletes that I work with is like when you really, really care about something, you find ways to like make it happen or do it. So we've obviously had to be very flexible and adjust throughout this last year uh, in the way that things happen. We haven't been able to be on the floor or practicing in person in in some situations or even training in person, but uh, we found ways to keep people connected to the game and, and to each other through creative ways, such as like Google Meets or uh, even just posting on social media and challenging people through that. Like, I think there's so many cool avenues that I've been able to explore this last year that have allowed me not only personally to stay connected to the game and the people that I like being around through the sport that I get to that I get to play, but also to keep some some kids that I work with engaged and, and keep people kind of feeling connected to things, even though we're slightly disconnected right now. Yeah, well, I mean, when you talk about being engaged in a sport or a physical activity, uh, when you bring that back to yourself, like, what is the deeper meaning of that for you? Like, when you reflect on your younger self, if you were in the shoes of, of the young athletes that you're working with today, like, 
how does it change your life being engaged in sport in some way versus not being engaged in sport? Well, I think one of the things that I'm definitely most grateful for is being an athlete and, and obviously because playing sports is a ton of fun. That's, that's a huge part of it. But when I look at this last year and a lot of the experiences that I've had, the time that I've spent in athletics have taught me a lot of things that have enabled me to handle different situations and different challenges and, and have great experiences. Um, so being an athlete is, is like a huge part of my identity and I never want to shy away from that because it is such an important part of like who I am and how I operate. And, and like I said, the connection to sport has really put me in the position to do a lot of the things that I've, I've been able to do and also establish a lot of the values that I have. And that makes complete sense. Um, something that stands out to about you to me, um, I'll kind of give the audience a bit of backstory here. So like you and I have been connected on Instagram for quite some time, but so often there's like moments of just kind of just showing max amounts of effort. Like I see that in you where I'm like, holy crap, like it doesn't, doesn't matter what context like he is a person that's expressing huge amounts of effort and like um you're a very relatable person for me because it's just like you get something on your mind and you do whatever it takes to make it happen and like it's not about being like it's not necessarily about having an ego it's more so about kind of uh doing whatever it takes to to prove yourself and to earn your chances and earn your shot um and so what makes that exciting is like when i was doing my my research for this episode i was listening to uh second floor podcast which i've given shouts out to a few times on the show here so if people want to kind of dive back down the rabbit hole they can listen to second floor and listen to your episode there because it's really special um you're talking about nll in that episode before you were on the team and like that's something that's like a a major milestone that i think sometimes is really uh empowering to kind of like reflect back and kind of see like look we we put in the effort we we uh stuck to the plan stuck to the process did whatever it took and it paid off like when i bring that up like what are the thoughts that come through your head I think making an NLL roster is, is probably the most um, special accomplishment that, that I have to this point. And obviously, like as a kid, I grew up wanting to be a pro athlete. So there's there's a component of that where it's been like a long term um, goal that is like really cool. It's, it's a very uh, unique experience that not a lot of people have the opportunity to uh, to get to. And, and I'm always appreciative of the, the position that I'm in in that way. But the thing that really makes it special to me and you talk about like being on the second floor podcast and kind of talking about trying to pursue that at that point it's it's more about like all the things that went into it to get there so like a year um a year prior to making a team i was unable to play because i had a an acl injury um so i was out for over a year not being able to play and basically just in a position where it was kind of like determine whether you're really going to go for this or not. Cause I mean, <laughs> you're out of the game, you, you maybe have time to explore some other things and maybe consider like the fact that if you come back from your injury, are you even going to be able to play to the same level? So for me to, to put in all that time and, and effort and energy and work uh, to come back to the game and have success the next season, and then also earn an opportunity to, to be there and, and kind of share that with a lot of people who, were a major contributor to making sure I got through that experience and supported me all the way through and never doubted the fact that it was possible for me. Um, just made it really special. And I think like one of the biggest moments that stands out is I remember I was out in BC when I hurt myself uh, and I was sitting on the, the porch of the house that I was living in, just really defeated, really down uh, and talking to my dad on the phone, trying to process this whole thing. And he just said, I have no doubt in my mind we're going to see you at an NLL training camp next fall. And like that in itself, just the, the belief that he had for me in that moment just really um, kind of gave me that belief within myself that this was something that we could do. So that's that's the stuff that makes it really special. And obviously, like the process is just getting going of being a pro. We had uh, my my first year in the league got cut short by our current situation. So excited to get back. But 
um, that that whole experience just getting there was was really special because of all those like little moments with with people who have been a huge part of that journey. Well, it's really cool too because you bring up the injury that you kind of rehab from and it's the interesting like side note here is like I think that's what kind of drew me towards your account. Like I saw that you were like consistently working on changing the outcome of like the the cards you had been dealt. Like it wasn't it wasn't the best case scenario for you. Like nobody wishes upon themselves to be injured. But like, I just, I see you go from session to session, just working on yourself, continuing to hone your craft, practicing when you can practice. Like you just worked on different aspects of your game and uh, strengthened yourself as much as you could. I saw you going from all kinds of different fitness professionals, whether it be for collaboration or like consultation, training, anything like that, working with uh, different facilities. And it was just like, here's a, an example of a person controlling what they can control to the greatest degree. Like understanding that like, yeah, like life isn't always going to be, everything isn't going to work out perfectly, but it doesn't mean that you have to just take it seated. Like you can absolutely put your best foot forward and put an effort and find solutions. And uh, something that you kind of highlighted was just like, the feeling of having someone tell you something with absolute confidence, like reaffirming to you your goals, like how powerful that can be. Like I know for myself, I'm a pretty sappy character. I have like birthday cards from my parents like up on my wall because I'm like they said something that stood out to me. Like my parents said they believe in me and it's like for some people that could be like an older sibling or a mentor or a boss like everybody's dynamics is going to be different but it's it's so important to have people that are like that in your life um to kind of narrow it down here kind of get us back on a topic uh when we talk about like role models who are people that stand out to you as role models for you in your life i've been really fortunate like my my high school experience i went to three different high schools all because i was pursuing collegiate lacrosse and, and those opportunities were going to help get me there so i've had like really great coaches along my career um and, and those guys will stand out so there's some some local guys like paul rye john lentz jimmy quinlan um jamie bowen a, a bunch of guys that really have invested their time into giving back to our, our lacrosse community and, and really kind of went out of their way to help me uh, after I identified to them that like this is something that I wanted to do. Uh, my parents are always going to be a huge part of that. Like they've they've been with me, obviously, through through everything. So um, we're very, very close and, and I pull a lot um, from how they operate into what I try to bring to uh, what I do on a daily basis. Uh, I have a younger brother. <laughs> He's probably um, one of the most significant people that I look to in terms of like how I want to operate and, and be. He, he does things really, really well. And he's very good at connecting with people and um, is a high level athlete too. So brings a lot of focus and, and commitment to his craft. Um, I, I'm very fortunate that I, I am surrounded by so many great people. Uh, and like you said, it's it's gone all the way through just like fitness professionals that I've been fortunate en enough to work with through um, training and rehabbing and things like that. Um, and, and people I've connected to on social media like yourself. So um, I, I'm definitely not in a position where there's any shortage of, of great people to look to for an example. Well, that's really cool. And like something that you've brought up that got my attention was uh, talking about like kind of like telling people what you want, like in a way like it can be super hippy dippy and we can just be like manifesting your greatest desires or like whatever, <laughs> but it's like, essentially you had a goal on your mind and it's been on your mind for like a few years before you achieved it. And a lot of people like that, that's the missing ingredient is like, if, if you want to be somewhere, you have to vocalize it. If you vocalize it to the people in your life, like these support system, these mentors, like you talked about to like, how when you communicated with your coaches, like you kind of said where you want to be and they helped you get there. Um, that's a missing ingredient for a lot of people. Like uh, even in like a corporate setting, a lot of people don't think to have the conversation with their boss as to what development they're looking for or like um, what kind of skill they want to learn or where, what, what the missing ingredient is. Like they wait too long. And then from like a, like a physical standpoint, it's like, 
if if you haven't expressed like what is your why for being in the gym to whoever you're involved with whether that be your trainer or like your boss or your training buddy like if, if you don't say hey like it, it means something to me to run this marathon or it means something to me to pr this lift over that lift like if you don't communicate that you can kind of set yourself up for some big disappointment like if somebody doesn't say like their bench press means more to them than their deadlift then the program isn't going to be built for them to pr their bench press um with that being said like has there been any other situations that you can reflect on where you kind of vocalized something that you had your mindset on and it kind of helped you get there, whether it be like in your younger years or even in recent years? Well, I think there's like two parts to it when you, when you talk about those things, because for me, that is a skill that I've learned later in life. And it came from or it was motivated by not being very good at it in the earlier stages. So like my, my playing experience at Cornell uh, was, was pretty limited. I played a, a super uh, specific role and that role consisted of not getting a lot of playing time. <laughs> it was like, be, be a great teammate kind of thing and, and play hard in practice and stuff like that. But uh, up until that point, I knew what I wanted to do but I don't know if I connected fully with why I wanted to do it and how important it was to me. So I think there's like two parts to that. The skill set that you're talking about is number one, identifying, yeah, what is it that you want? And then number two, like, why is it important? And then why doesn't have to be like crazy, crazy in depth. Sometimes, sometimes it's just like, Hey, I want to bench press more. Like that's okay. You're allowed to just want to bench press more, but you have to be pretty clear on what it is that you want to do and why it is that you want to do it so that you can communicate it to other people. Cause I think sometimes we make this dangerous assumption that people are as invested in our goals as we are. And, and that's, there's people that will be, but you act, like you said, you have to vocalize it to them for them to understand it, for them to get invested. So like, those are the kind of stages I think you have to go through to, to use this. Um, and like I said, it's something that I've gotten a lot better at now. I, I take a lot more initiative in my, in my process. I, I call my pro coaches to ask them, like, how can I be better? I talk to teammates about how can I be better? Uh, I source out opportunities to develop. I don't wait for people to bring them to me. Uh, and I think like the more direct examples of, of kind of putting my mind to something and, and doing it outside of the NLL would be just in, in my role, uh, in, Cause as a lacrosse player, like our, our, uh, our salaries are not comparable to other pro sports. We all work, uh, other jobs, um, to, to kind of actually make a living and, and the money that we make from playing is, is kind of a, a bonus supplement, but I've kind of created an opportunity for myself to do lacrosse full time, just by kind of having this vision of this is how I want to do it. And then sourcing out and asking and finding ways to, to make it happen. Um, and, and using the experience of people like yourself who are in the fitness industry, who train and, and coach people to kind of build a, a model in our city that allows me to coach full time as a lacrosse, uh, as a lacrosse coach. Well, I mean, that's definitely like a defining point of lacrosse. Like when I was, uh, looking at the NLL website, I think it says right on there, like that salaries are capped at something like 30,000 a year. Like, does that sound about right or? Yeah, it's about, it's around that. Like there's some guys, the top end guys, like our, our salary system, I, I believe, and I'm like very new to the league. So this could be completely inter incorrect, but it's like tiered based on experience. So after you reach a certain amount of experience in the league, um, you're eligible for higher pay bumps basically. But as a, as a new guy, you have like a, a range of salary that they can, they can pay you, but it's, yeah, it's not, it's not uh, anything crazy like you'd hear in, in some of these other pro leagues. Yeah. I mean, I'd imagine is probably similar to a CFL's players experience. Like you see so many professional athletes and they're just, uh, they're leading very normal lives, just like anybody else. It's not like they're coming in fancy cars or, um, any different than anybody else in the gym like that's the cool thing about uh being in the fitness industry is getting to see like people that are like top performers athletically and then you just get to see them do their regular day-to-day -day thing like they're they're working their butt off in the gym but like uh then they might be a carpenter or they might be a teacher or they might be like working just with kids and stuff just similar to how like a regular trainer could be 
Um, with that being said, uh, when, when you're kind of planning out, scaling out like whatever it is that's on your mind that you're wanting to build out, like you talk about being able to do lacrosse year round, like how, how do you strategize that for yourself or, or what's kind of like your North star for like, uh, how you plan your next step or how you vision yourself. Like I, I know my process, but I'm just kind of curious what your process is. Well, a lot of times it just operates off of uh, like season start start dates, right? So for us in the NLL, like last year, I, I was working um, throughout the week and then we would travel on weekends. So I mean, you have to be in a position where your employer is open to like allowing you to travel on a, on a Friday or things like that. Um, so I've sourced out opportunities that kind of give me that flexibility. And a lot of it has just been connected to the sporting world because people understand, right? Like as a pro athlete, it's, it's good for a lot of places to have somebody like that affiliated with your program. So I have that going for me. Uh, but a lot of it is just trying to source like, uh, ways to make the income stream, uh, sustainable no matter where I am. So, and a lot of that right now is, is moving me towards like a digital platform and starting to try to offer some things online because I've seen a pretty good response to the, the resources that I post through my, through my social media. I try to put out a lot of, um, uh, content that is like educational on how you can train for lacrosse and, and these kind of things and, and try to get it out there so people can access it. But I think there's an opportunity there to, uh, create something that does create a little bit of, of, um, revenue for myself as well. So I, I will always be extremely motivated and dedicated to like putting out free accessible stuff. But I think for those that want to dive a little bit deeper, there's an opportunity to offer them something that's a little bit more um, specific and, and maybe a little bit more um, inten intensive in terms of like uh, uh, an individualized uh, approach to how they train and things like that. So that's kind of what I'm exploring now. To be honest, like to this point, it's kind of been the focus is on playing the focus is on the primary goal and the rest of it will kind of sort itself out i've been in positions where th there really hasn't been a lot of money <laughs> in 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 my uh in my accounts and and all of it that i am uh taking in would go directly to training and, and treatments and the things that i needed to perform so um i, I don't know if i've actually mastered it yet but I, i'm starting to get a handle on it <laughs> yeah i mean that completely makes sense it's it's relatable even um but with your like dialed in focus, like with me having like the, the anecdote of being able to listen to your conversation on the second floor and your conversation today, having followed you for at least like probably one or two years on Instagram, um, like there's consistency, like you're, you're consistently working forward. And it's easy to get discouraged when we are working consistently towards something, but it's just, it's a, it's a very rare quality for someone to have that kind of like patience and discipline to be able to like consistently move the needle forward or at least put in that, that minimum amount of effort each day towards moving ahead. And I think like if, if people are feeling discouraged or if they're feeling like they're, they're not getting enough outcomes or something just that reminder that like hey it doesn't have to be perfect you don't have to be rich or wealthy like you'll probably get to where you want to be just like you talked about um just hearing it from your dad like just getting that uh, reassurance there like everybody that is like dead set on a goal like if they truly are like that it matters so much to them that like nothing's really gonna stop them from trying every day like everybody with that kind of a mindset is probably going to deliver on it. Like we think about Amazon and like Amazon started off in like a garage or something. I, I remember making an order on Amazon like maybe 15 years ago and like all you could get was like books and maybe like some accessories. <laughs> and like now we can get toilet paper. I think in the U.S. you can get like vehicles and sheds like yeah, I don't know anything like, you can't get on Amazon, to be honest. <laughs> and it's <laughs> Even like cross stuff on there, which is super rare. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's just a huge perspective shift, and so yeah. like people are pretty good at like shit talking themselves, like cutting themselves down and be like, "No, I, I couldn't possibly do that." If they just stopped doing that, that would, in and of itself, be one of the best investments that they could make, and then just build out from there. Um, 
I want to talk about your academic experience. Like there's a lot of athletes out there, but you're a smart athlete from, from my perspective. So like, uh, it's all, um, it's all relative, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, like what, what was your, your schooling experience? You went to Cornell, right? Yeah, correct. So I, I went, um, basically I identified in about like ninth grade that lacrosse was something that I seriously wanted to pursue. And the uh, the progression for lacrosse players is we don't really have um, something comparable to like the WHL, for example, where after high school or in high school, you can you can play in a league and kind of stay, uh, stay local. And like our path to the pros is basically through college lacrosse. Um, so that kind of kickstarted that that pathway of, OK, what steps do I need to take to um, get to college lacrosse? And then obviously from there, try to progress to being a pro. Um, so in grade 10, I went to a school on the south end of Edmonton called Vimy Ridge. And basically the format of the school is you do normal classes through the morning. And then in the afternoon, uh, you have the opportunity to practice lacrosse, um, in replace, uh, or in, in, uh, in place of doing like phys ed. Uh, so we still get phys ed credits, but it just comes through a lacrosse specific focus and we still do all the, the sports and things like that. But, uh, that was the kind of first really specific lacrosse training experience I had. It was really the first time I had some some real lacrosse coaching on a regular basis. Uh, but what quickly progressed from that was an identification of in order to get to a collegiate program, you have to be seen by the collegiate programs. And that's not something you can do from Edmonton. So uh, when I was 16, I moved away uh, to a boarding school in Ontario called the Hill Academy. And that's when my recruiting process like really kicked off. Uh, I, I attended an event in the summer uh, which had a bunch of like D1 coaches, the Cornell coaches included, uh, included in that. And uh, I played pretty well at the event. So it started a lot of my conversations. And then through this school, similar format, we would go to school um, and then play lacrosse and train for lacrosse uh, basically five, six days a week. Uh, and we would travel to events in the States. We'd hop on our little bus and just drive across the border and go to all these events. So I was able to commit to Cornell during my grade 11 year. Uh, and then because I committed and, and the school in Ontario was quite expensive to continue to attend, uh, I decided to come back uh, here for grade 12 and kind of did a split between my local high school um, near my parents' house in St. Albert and uh, St. FX, where I actually work now, which has a similar uh, lacrosse academy concept to Vimy. Uh, so I, I finished all that and then I ended up at, at Cornell, which was a great experience in in a lot of ways. It taught me a lot. It was a, it was probably one of the most intense personal development experiences that I'll ever have, and it was full of adversity and challenges, and and probably a lot of of really tough moments uh, when when I reflect back on it. But the amount that it taught me and and what I pulled from it was will or will always far outweigh. Uh, the negative kind of feelings that I experienced there. Um, so I, I am forever grateful for that. The, the balance and the challenge of, of trying to manage a full-time academic uh, demanding schedule of the Ivy League plus being uh, a D1 athlete uh, was, was very intense and I struggled with it at first, uh, as I think most freshmen do and as, as most people in new experiences do. Uh, but you, you kind of, again, lean on people to, to kind of help you through it. And again, a lot of the things that I do now are based on some misses that I had during my Cornell experience. Uh, I, I didn't leverage that experience or that opportunity as much as I, I would have liked to. I had some really big goals going into it. And, and to be honest, in, in self-assessment, like I didn't put in the work or the energy or the effort or the time required to reach some of those things. So Again, like like I said, I struggled a lot through Cornell, but what it taught me and what it pushed me to is how I operate now. So it's it's been like the greatest learning experience that I've had. Well, I mean, all of that kind of speaks to me in the sense that like in the past year, I've reflected on so many things I've tried to accomplish and just completely bombed at. Like <laughs> um, I, I usually think of it as it, it comes in threes. Everything comes in threes. Like for me, like, a lot of tests that I've tried, like my driver's test, my learner's test took three tries for both of them. And it's yeah. like, I, I don't mind saying that, like not even on a podcast, like it's not a big deal because you know what, like third time I got it and yeah. I knew that I would and I delivered. And then I realized like if anybody's going to try something three times to make it happen, I was like, it's going to be me. 
And I right. feel like that's something that like that's a quality that you had to exhibit. And it's something that you practiced in that experience. Like it's a, an experience that like built your character and got you prepared to like no matter how many different attempts at, at something you had to do, you were going to be the person that did it as many times as it took. Um, if we quickly go on a sidebar to your strength training this year, because it's something that kind of got my attention. Like, you're training really hard. Like, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been fun this year. Is this year like the, the strongest you've ever felt or is this like a comeback? Sure. Oh yeah. So like, tell For me sure. more. Yeah. Uh, so what happened and like uh, a little bit of the, maybe the relatability factor for some people is last year um, I was working at a, a separate fitness facility. I'd been training there uh, throughout my rehab uh, and beyond getting prepared for, for the NLL camp. And, and through my relationship with the facility, I ended up actually being employed um, at the space to, to help. Cause I was really, they, they had shown me a lot of uh, a lot of support and things like that. And I felt very connected to them and, and wanted to help as much as I could. And we found a way to, to get me into an employment opportunity there and, uh, I, I worked with them up until um, things got shut down and I was I was let go from that facility and uh, it, it was a little bit messy and it's not something that's really uh, worth putting energy into getting into too, too deeply. But uh, that was like really hurtful because uh, I had stuck it out through that like, with them through some tough times uh, and I had felt like uh, that I had done a lot to, to make sure that they were in a position to be successful, but they had basically just challenged my value, um, which, which hurt. So I was basically in a position where I was exploring, where am I going to train next? Um, and I had a, a guy named Brad reach out to me on Instagram. I was basically just doing like drop-in workouts at Evolve when facilities back uh, opened up and that was really great. But I had a guy um, named Brad reach out to me through Instagram saying, hey, I have this facility out in Spruce Grove. Do you want to come check it out? Uh, I think you'd be a great fit. And I uh, went to watch one of the workouts on a Saturday morning. I woke up early to go check out what they were doing and uh, walked into this like really nice little gritty space like packed to the to the walls basically into the ceiling with equipment like everything just like when you walk into ikea like they find a way to pack like absurd amounts of things into this small space but that's how they they make it work and um there's a couple pro football players that train there they were going through their workouts and i was sold right away i mean it was kind of what i was looking for the thing that i've missed the most um post cornell and even as a pro now is like we don't get opportunities to train with our teammates because we all live in different locations I don't get that team training environment very often. So to get that was really valuable to me. And then uh, I kind of dove headfirst in there and they, the training approach is, is very strength-based. Uh, we lift pretty heavy uh, a couple of times a week. And then we have dynamic effort days that are more in line with like what I would typically do in, in lacrosse, which is like move things as fast as you can <laughs> repeatedly. Um, so we've been doing a lot of that and I've basically seen like huge growth in not only like my, my strength, obviously, but also just how athletic I am. We do a really unique warm up that, that I feel really good. And we do a ton of mobility work, which makes my body like, just like, I feel in a really good position to compete and play right now. Um, so probably when I started there, I was probably around 200 pounds and now I'm 225 pounds of like good mass. Like it's not, I don't feel slow. I don't feel any different really in terms of that except for stronger and faster and bigger and all things that are pretty good when you're uh playing a contact sport <laughs> well it's just been so fun to watch just because like I, I remember following your stories when you're doing like the running drills and stuff at the one place and then more yeah. strength training at another place and then you went to the third place and it's like oh let's go <laughs> it's like yeah that's basically how it feels too uh, we, I mean, it's, it's, you talk about like failing at things. And, uh, I think that's like the beauty of, of strength training. A lot of times is you either are going to hit numbers or you're not, or you're going to make exercises work or you're not. And like, it's, it's not a bad thing when you don't, because it offers you an opportunity to, uh, work towards getting it the next time. And there's been tons of times where we've tried out like max numbers on, on certain lifts where I don't hit what we're trying to hit and then we go back through our cycle and then next time i come to it the weight that i failed at is is something that's easy to achieve now and it's like the next number kind of thing and, and if you do it the right way that's what i love about training is it's totally within your control it's it's about how you approach it and 
and the wins that you feel are 100% on you, nobody can help you, right? It's, it's a, a solo sport in a lot of ways, right? You have people that are experienced that can help you program and train the right way. But ultimately, when it comes down to performing whatever it is you're trying to perform, it's on you. So uh, it's really empowering in that way, I find. Absolutely. I mean, like if anybody has the patience to like uh, work hard through 12 weeks of programming, very likely they're going to achieve what they came to do. Like, I mean, it's not always going to go according to plan. And at some point, a person can only get so strong. But like trusting the process is truly a thing when it comes to strength training. But then it's also just like the whole like environment thing that you talk about being able to train with other pro athletes, like for for myself, just to share my own insights, like some of the greatest value I've gotten in Instagram is kind of like being able to virtually surround myself with uh, people that kind of have that same mindset, like the whatever it takes, the be a good person, um, try hard like actually put in an effort don't like don't look for reasons not to do the thing just like find how to do the thing and and just get started um and just like being able to kind of see other people's wins like when when you're surrounded by people like trying and then getting desirable outcomes because of all the effort that they put in that you've seen um it it reinforces the whole reason for for you to try like if I see somebody hit a PR and I saw them when they hit a failure, it reminds me that when I hit a failure that, uh, I will hit a PR down the road and it's just, uh, keep, keep people that motivate you close. Like anybody out there that kind of feels like, uh, they got the short end of the stick or they're tired of being on the bench. Um, get the right people in your corner get the right training community, even if it's virtual and that'll make a huge difference. Um, we're going to quickly go the other way on the podcast. <laughs> I so, love the hand action. It really <laughs> keeps me, keeps me on track with where we are. Absolutely. It's like steering the <laughs> ship. I have to, yeah, <laughs> to I like stay it. the course. Um, but when I was like looking into your experience with Cornell, something stood out to me and it was like the fire you overcame a fire, correct? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I mean, just to put a cap on, uh, uh, like I said, a challenging experience a month before I was supposed to graduate uh, in my senior year. And we're like going into like the heart of our season at that point, like getting close to the NCAA tournament and things like that. Uh, I was living in a a basement studio apartment at the time and uh, woke up in the middle of the night to sounds that I thought were construction because Earlier that week, they had some guys working and they would start work around like 7.30 a.m. So I thought that's what it was. I thought I was just getting woken up by the guys starting their their work early. But it actually turned out that it was the building on fire. (laughs) So um, I I quickly exited the building alongside some some other people who lived in there. We we were in a huge building. It's like uh, basically a a house that they turned into the off-campus housing. Um, but the fire for us had like the buildings were really close together. So the fire didn't set off the fire alarm. So we were just trying to make sure that everybody, um, knew like we got to get out of here. So once we cleared the building, um, nobody was hurt, which was really great. There was like three buildings that were ultimately affected. Uh, no one injured, just loss of belongings is really what, what ended up being the, the biggest piece. And for some people that was really impactful, obviously, because like for myself, I was living in that space for two and a half years. Like most of what I had was in there because I was at Cornell more than I was home. So that that part really sucked. And like to end off your uh, your university experience, like living out of a hotel and like not having things like any of your stuff. And uh, a lot of it's replaceable, like clothes and things like that. But there were some sentimental things that were in there. And, and obviously just the, the overall ordeal has an effect on you. So it was just a tough way to to end off my, my university experience and then kind of kickstart my, my first year, um, post-college with kind of a little bit of a, a reset. I, I kind of just needed to, to step back for a second and kind of recollect myself after something like that. So, um, it, it like I said, it kind of just was a, a cap on, on a tough, <laughs> a tough overall experience. And I think the biggest thing that came out of it, um, as a learning at least was the, the university, uh, did a really, really good job um, of giving us support. And up until that point, I didn't really feel supported um, 
in that space. Um, I had great teammates that stepped up. Like I, I had that support network, but by the university as a whole, I didn't, I didn't feel uh, super connected to it. Um, but I had an advisor come through and, and really show me a, a lot of support and make sure that I was, I was taking care of the professors I had at the time were super understanding and granted me extensions on the courses. So I had up to a year to finish them, um, when I was in the right headspace to do so. So, um, that, that part was really cool because like I said, I, I, I really didn't feel great about the Cornell experience to that point, but to see the way that they kind of showed up for me when I really needed them. Uh, and in that time, um, uh, really kind of just, even though it was a, a tough overall experience, put a nice kind of like end to it. Um, and, and I felt very motivated to, to finish up my courses, uh, the right way and, and get my, uh, my graduation taken care of. And, and now like, I, I, I will always feel like an attachment to Cornell and, and, uh, it's, it's a place that I will try to go back to as much as I can. Well, I mean, even in your reflections of that, like it, it points out some important factors that I think people might need to hear with regards to um, sometimes like it's like we're in, it's like that meme with the dog and it's sitting there in the chair and it's like the whole office or the whole room is burning and the dog's like, yeah, yeah. it's fine. Everything it's is okay. fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Like I know what you're talking about. we, we have to find ourselves in that position in order to get into a place where we're ready to take that, that next step. Otherwise people aren't going to feel ready. Like you kind of have to have like the pressure on in order to get into that mindset. Like, with with the odd exception here and there there's a few people that can be comfortable and then do something uncomfortable but for a majority of people that i've talked to in my own experiences like you kind of have to be pushed into like the most uncomfortable point of your life ever in order to come out of that on top like it can be people that uh, go to post-secondary and they're working three jobs just to pay the bills because that's what they have to do. And they're getting four hours of sleep, barely getting their courses handed in. And that's how they like got their doctorate or something. Like, it could be so many stories like that. But like, in order to get to the desired outcome, you kind of have to be ready to get your butt kicked. Like, uh, you, you can't avoid it. And so like now having, having heard from other people and experienced different life things myself, it's like when bad things happen, like I don't wish it upon myself. I'm not like, let's sign up for some bad stuff. But yeah. when it happens, you have the foresight to know that something good is coming. Like it's when we're all going through the, the shifts and transitions of closures and limitations and like, um, just pandemic stuff, like it's not convenient at all. It puts people in compromising financial situations. It has us, it tests us. It makes people want to quit. It does all kinds of things to people. And that can happen many times in, in a person's life. But without those instances, we don't do the big things that cause us to, uh, push as hard as we have to push that cause us to get into the room with the strongest people we can find and see how strong we can be or um, see if we can do lacrosse year round, like doing the things that aren't necessarily like the road most traveled. Like not every professional lacrosse player is able to groove out a year like you are and not every trainer has a podcast. Like there's so many different ways to do a different thing. Yeah. I mean, I say that now, now every trainer has a podcast. So. <laughs> uh, I mean, it just depends on, on what they're, what they're trying to do, I guess. Right. Like, I think, um, I think for me, like the fire experience just put a, put a reset almost like I, I didn't have anything. So that was kind of like the, the symbolism of it was like, Hey, you're just resetting here. And I think at the end, like I graduated technically in 2016, my grad class was supposed to be 2015 and I graduated in 2016 because of the extension to my courses. And that same year is the year that I like, I think I posted to, to my social media, uh, in the summer, like I am fully committing to pursuing the NLL. Uh, I remember putting it out there. I, I posted a picture of the logo. I signed up for the combine. Like that was kind of really the Kickstarter of, um, like I'm going for this and, and it doesn't matter what it's going to take. Like I'm going for this. So I think like you said, it's just like, you need those things. And I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the, uh, like false positivity out of situations. Like 
I don't think if you say, Hey, my apartment burned down and everything I had was lost and I had to like postpone my graduation. Like, I don't think you can go and say like, yeah, that's kind of awesome. Like you kind of have to, <laughs> the way I like to describe it a little bit now is I think it's a Navy SEAL term where it's like embrace the suck. Like you just, you kind of take it for what it is and, and try to leverage the opportunities that maybe you can gain from them. It's not, it's not going to be like a, a evident right away. It doesn't become apparent right away. But like you said, if you, if you can kind of leverage those opportunities that maybe come from things like that, um, in my experience, uh, it's always kind of worked out in my favor. Uh, so I think there's a lot of value in that. Well, I mean, I totally agree. Like uh, you, you had your quote, I'll share mine, like a lot of talented, skilled people that have become someone that people aspire to be can describe to you the experience of what it's like to sit in the shit, like yeah. to, to just be there and have to like take it because that's just what life is in that moment. And then because they are so familiar with that, they know what they have to do to get as far away from that feeling as they can for next yeah. time. And like without knowing what it's like, you don't know how hard you have to work. You you don't know how much effort you're going to have to put in the gym or how how much focus you're going to have on your nutrition. Like like let's talk about nutrition a bit because I'm I'm sure that's had a big a big role in like your strength goals. Like did your nutrition change as you push yourself in the gym or or what's that been like for you? Yeah. So when I first really started to identify how important nutrition was, and I've always been a relatively clean eater, but when I really started to understand how important it was, was during Cornell, um, and training with 43 guys on my team where we're all doing the same programming. And the biggest X factor was how guys ate when we went to the dining halls or other places and how they like treated their body outside of practice. And that's when I really started to like clue into the fact that this is I mean, you can do all the great work in the world, but if you really want to like take another step, like you have to take those aspects seriously. Um, so it, like I said, it's something that I've, I've taken seriously for, for a long time. It's, uh, it's been a focus, but I've never really optimized um, how I eat for performance. I've always kind of just followed some general kind of guidelines and things that have been taught to me through my athletic career and, and just in general. So this year uh, in a position where I'm kind of in an endless off season, it seems like at this point, uh, where the focus is more on um, how can we make sure that we're training as best we can? How can we make sure that my body is, is as prepared as it can be for competition when it's time to get back? Nutrition has been a huge part of that. And I was really fortunate during the summer, I got to do a, a run fast class with Coach Powell. Uh, he, he was doing like a little sprint mechanics workshop and I signed on to do it because I was like, hey, if I can get faster, like that's not going to hurt me when I go to play. And that was a, a fantastic experience. And he actually brought in uh, a guy named Mikhail from Greenhouse, um, which is over by the university to speak to us. And he brought us some free meals uh, to try. Um, and I, I really resonated with what he had to say about nutrition. And it took me about six months <laughs> to follow up with him. Like I was thinking about it for a long time. And I was just like, you know, I do my own meal prep. Like, do I need to invest in having somebody else cook my food and doing all that stuff? Uh, but I finally got to a point where, like, where I was like, you know what, let's really try this. Let's see, see what it will do for me in my training. Uh, so I reached out to him and, and have had them kind of doing my meal prep and, and help me plan how I should be eating. And that has kind of made the biggest difference over the last like couple months in terms of seeing some of those returns on the training that I've been doing, especially, uh, when things were really shut down and we couldn't access facilities, like I was still seeing um, good returns on the training that I was able to do through the nutrition piece. So I came back to the gym and I felt just as strong. I've hit PR since I've been back. Um, my sleep quality has been better. My overall body has felt better. Uh, as a, as a guy who trains a lot and, and is active a lot, I have to eat quite a bit. Uh, so I was spending a ton of time and money on, prepping all this food and now it's done for me. I just have to go pick it up um, and it's ready to go. So it gives me more time to focus on the things that I want to be focusing on, which is the training, the coaching, uh, the practicing that I, that I need to be doing. And it's just been really, really valuable. So uh, the nutrition piece for me is, is honestly something that I prioritize really heavily now. Um, now, especially cause I've seen uh, how effective it can be when you really, really take it seriously. 
Well, definitely. I mean, it, it's something that like my performance goes way up when my nutrition is on point. And I, I like the shout out of Coach Powell because I saw the work that you're doing and he's a good dude. Um, and just like seeing just the the logic of outsourcing some of your day-to-day things like for some people it's just simply going to be that they have to find more efficient ways to meal prep for themselves but for some people that are able to outsource things like for some businesses they'll outsource their social media because that person's not a social media savvy person or they'll outsource their accounting and then for someone whose goals like all gravitate around like their body's performance like you can't really afford to falter on something like nutrition and like you say like you're going to be needing to eat a great big volume of food because of the amount of effort that you're putting into each day um and like it's logistically very difficult to cook that amount of food and then also like do all the other commitments so it's like you you reach a standstill where it's like do we want this or not and like you've proven you you want to get your goals so it's kind of cool to highlight that because i think uh sometimes people get frustrated that they're spinning their wheels and it's like look like have you taken a critical look at like what you're eating because if you haven't then don't get frustrated with your with your fitness or your outcomes in the gym because there's more variables like there there's more things to consider other than like what program are you following or what new like uh there's just so much out there that kind of gives the illusion that we can get like a quick solution but it is everybody wants a quick fix right yeah struggle right like think things are effort-based like if you Mm -hmm. don't put an effort you're not going to get anything and when you're getting into the upper upper limits of any whether it's like mental or physical then all of a sudden it becomes like really clear like what's necessary in order to keep that going and what can like throw you off like uh just if if you start changing your eating habits it's gonna completely like derail you from from your strength training or it could completely like take your focus off things like you might have just a totally different mindset and just kind of go through like a week of just like not feeling that same desire to keep putting an effort to move the needle forward. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I think in my experience on the opposite end, I changed my training um, over this last year. And what I was finding is I felt really tired because I wasn't fueling the way that I needed to. Um, and I didn't understand how to maybe eat at the level that I needed to in order to support the change in training. Right. So it's again, like you said, it's, there's so many variables that you have to kind of work through. And and that's where like the outreach to someone like yourself who has the experience and the expertise to be able to kind of hone in on those things and ask the right questions around um, what's going on to help identify how you can get to those goals is so important. It's so important. Well, it's cool that you say that because like even in just the trainer community, we'll have chats with each other and like we're not even aware that we're not eating enough sometimes like sometimes we just kind of get into like the zone and we're just like following our training program and putting in the work and like oh man like i'm so tired what must be wrong maybe maybe i need to like x or y like it could be maybe it's having more coffee like everybody just wants to have more coffee and sometimes it's just like um like an extra serving of vegetables just like something super like grassroots wholesome can't go wrong with it can't get canceled for recommending vegetables um that'll make a big difference because it's just like it could be an increase of a couple hundred calories in your day and and that could make a difference or it could just be something as simple as like really taking like a look at how much protein a person is consuming and seeing where they can increase that through like more dynamic sources of protein like everybody thinks protein and they go straight to like meat but like you could totally increase your protein through so many different sources of food like one of my favorite things is to kind of like uh, take a look at the nutrition facts on like different vegetables and stuff and like even like mushrooms have protein like not a whole bunch but it's still a source yeah Yeah. (laughs) and so it's like to to understand that like getting really satiating foods like really broadening your approach towards nutrition can can make a big difference and it's like knowledge is power and 
like if you're a person that's tired of sitting on the bench or you're tired of kind of like feeling like you're getting sold short um find find the things that you have control of and like dig deep in there because like that's going to be the differentiation factor some people don't have that like determination to do what it takes to like figure out what that missing link is and like if you are patient enough to like wait it out through it's kind of like we talked about the pr is waiting it through like the training program to go hit that pr again later if you're patient enough to um dive a bit deeper or outsource different things that you need you could come out on top like i'm excited to kind of see how things unfold for you in the nll like when when things open up again just because like there there's so much to your drive that kind of like to me it just alludes to the fact that like hell yeah like you're gonna be doing some pretty cool things that people should be watching out for like what what's what's your mindset with that like wh where's your headspace like i i can't imagine it's it's the easiest to be amidst like the the closures of leagues the, all that stuff but like where's your head at right now with uh, professional lacrosse I'm ready to play. <laughs> it's really the big one. Uh, we we were supposed to have a, a modified season this spring, but obviously it's a very challenging time to try to run anything. So I, I really commend our league for putting effort forward to try and make something happen, but also fully understand that um, it, it couldn't work out. Like it's it's a decision that was kind of beyond their control. And I know I think it's it's silly for any of us to assume that they don't want us to play because that's not the reality at all. Like they want us on the floor. Uh, I think the the frustrating part as an athlete is obviously like you want to play. So there was a lot of conversation around um, even last year when when they weren't sure what our season was going to look like. Like what's the window of time that guys are going to need to be prepared to play again? And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm ready to go. Like let's let's get going. Like just get us on the floor and. And I think that's just kind of the approach that I've taken over the last year is like, if they called me tomorrow and said, Hey, guess what? The season starts. Uh, we're, we're ready to go. We're going to be on the floor. Like I'll be able to go out there and perform at a high level. Uh, so that's, that's how I feel right now. Um, there's a lot of things that are still up in the air, obviously. Like we don't know when, when our pro season is going to start. They've, they've told us it's going to be in the fall, but it could be earlier than it typically is. It could be, modified uh, in, until later. I don't really know what that looks like. Uh, there's potential for me to play in BC where I typically play in the summers. Uh, that schedule was really was released recently, but I don't know again if that season will proceed forward. The, the reality for me is continuing to do the things that I'm doing to be prepared. And like I said, when they call, like I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, I mean, that's something that I'm pumped about. I'm like, yeah, he will be ready to go. I've been watching this dude <laughs> on Instagram for years. Like yeah. he's that that's cool because like not everybody's built like that. Not everybody's gonna be ready. And so when the time comes, you'll get to to show what character, yeah. like what what happens when a person has that kind of a character. Like what happens when they put a pause button on and not everybody listens to, oh, we're pausing? What? I didn't I didn't hear that. I'm still working. Like like what happens when they open up the gates and, and see see how a person that works delivers when they're given that opportunity to show like what they're made out of. Yeah. And my thing has always been, especially at the level that I'm at now, everyone is so good. <laughs> like everyone is so, so good. And even when I was playing college, everyone is so good. So you have to find like the little opportunities that you can start to close the gap or separate yourself. Like the, the margins are very small, right? So for me, I've gotten really excited over the last year, just understanding that there could be some guys, whether it's within their control or not, that aren't in a position to do what I'm doing right now. Uh, some places are way heavier uh, on their lockdowns. They only have access to like being able to work out in their house and, and guys are going to try to do as best they can with what they have. But I'm in a really fortunate position where I can go access the gym even if it is limited in terms of how i want to do it i can go do it i can go to my school that i work at and, and shoot the ball around where a lot of guys don't have that opportunity so for me i'm looking at it right now as here's a here's a, a point where i can start to bridge the gap and as a as a newer guy in the league um when you're trying to really earn earn opportunities to play and, and be a guy that teams and coaches can count on in situations like these opportunities are, are where you create that separation. It's not in the, uh, in the actual season. And by that time it's too late. Definitely. And I like kind of like the, the compassion that you're showing. Cause like truly there's guys in the league that could be like 
with respect to whatever career they're doing maybe yeah. that career like emotionally was really tough with all the the tests like if somebody was a, oh. a teacher in the league it probably wasn't an easy year like i i know no. a lot of teachers personally and so it's like yeah i have a lot of respect for teachers um just with the t challenges that they have to face so it's it's true you're right like having access to the the facilities that you need to stay on track for yourself is helpful and it's just like the mindset to be able to capitalize on that and be able to be like this is what i don't have but this is what i do have like changing the the inner dialogue to to be less about like man i wish i could play now and instead be like but i can do this and i could get really really good at it and as long as i don't get worse i got nothing to lose kind of thing <laughs> yeah i think i mean it's hard right I, I look at some guys you can easily get caught up in the trap of seeing some of the stuff that's going on in the us where they're able to play and just be like wow i wish i wish i could just move down there and, and play but i think there's a ton of opportunity for myself um to to hone in on particular aspects of my game that have been highlighted to me that I need to work on and uh, that I determine as things that I want to improve on. And like you said, if, if you put the effort and the energy and the time into those things, when you come back on the floor, like that's what I'm most excited for is to get back out there and have people like kind of go, what the heck happened over the last year? <laughs> like that's, that's kind of the, uh, the part that I'm excited for. Cause I know, I, I know I have complete confidence in what I'm doing. I know how prepared I am. Um, I know how how it's going to benefit me when I get back on the floor. And uh, that's the part that's exciting. So I, I can be patient for a little while longer, I think. Definitely. Um, I like the whole like, what the heck happened? Because it's like, people can look back, well, they can look back at anybody's profile, but like, from like player footage, when when the day comes that you're going to be playing in the future, versus mm -hmm. when you were playing before all this stuff, I'm sure that there are some differences that you could call out. There's differences that other people might notice. And that's an exciting reward of putting in so much effort. Yeah, so I think, I mean, the biggest one is obviously like you highlighted earlier, just just the physicality. And I have to give all the credit to uh, to Brad and, and his facility at Eats and, and those guys that I get to train with, because they've really, really pushed me over the last year and and physically I'm in a really good position and it's the most noticeable thing right like it, I can I can walk into spaces now from people I haven't seen in a while and and it's noticeable right away that I'm I'm a bigger dude so <laughs> I'm very grateful for for that experience and uh, I'm just really looking forward to it I know Brad says it all the time to me he's like I can't wait to see you play like it's gonna be it's gonna be really awesome and to have that constantly in in my ear is is also really motivating so i'm very appreciative to all those guys definitely so if you were to give one piece of advice to someone on how to live their life to the fullest in the most authentic way what would that piece of advice be the the one that's helped me the most um and i've i've been really fortunate that i found something that i'm extremely passionate about and i and i do it every day but um I, I think that's that's a huge one is identify what your passions are and, and find ways to immerse yourself within them. I, I feel at my best when I am fully immersed in this pursuit of the thing that I love doing. And, and it it scopes multiple aspects. It scopes my training. It scopes playing. It scopes uh, into coaching uh, and working with kids. And it's it's an avenue um, for things that I, I really value. But um, those those things that you're passionate about and that you love to do, um, full immersion into them is is the best way to, to feel fulfilled, I think. Love it. Um, so if we were to give the audience a challenge today and you're responsible for that challenge, what would it be? So basically I'm gonna get you to be like, your challenge for the day is, and just lay it out on them. Like it doesn't have to be anything too complicated or too fancy, just the first thing that pops into your head. I think so. I have I have a set of four things that I try to do on a daily basis, and usually I feel pretty good um, if I if I hit all these markers. So it's harden the body, sharpen the mind, uh, open your heart, and be of service to others. Uh, and I th I stole it from a quote. I think it's I can't remember who it is, but it's it's based on a quote. And I think the one that I've noticed the most: we're all wearing masks all the time. Uh, we, we don't really get that, like, even if it's just a casual smile while you're walking by somebody, you don't really get the opportunity to do that. So my challenge would probably be just find a creative way to show someone uh, 
some kind of, of service or support uh, today, whether that be like opening the door for them or some kind of like signal, maybe not a smile because you have your mask on, but something of that nature. Just I find it's really hard to like feel feel that kind of disconnect um, when you're, when you're around other people, um, uh, when we get the opportunity to do that. So find a creative way to maybe show somebody that, that you're there and, and that you acknowledge their, their existence. Definitely. Like, I, I mean, I can't, uh, emphasize that enough, like with how much of a difference that can make for somebody, like yeah. seeing familiar faces now, like makes people feel like, like they're at home because we haven't seen so many people in our lives for so totally. long and we've been like stuck staring at people through screens and like watching Facebook and getting all like upset about things and like rightfully upset about some things and not really any reason to be upset about other things like some people are yeah. getting upset over like what color is the pants on like all those like silly <laughs> Facebook memes it's just like yeah totally but uh, with all of that being said, I'd like to thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Oh, it's been it's been great to be here. Uh, I'm, I'm very uh, humbled and grateful to join the list of of guests that have been on the show. There's some very very cool people that have that have been on this with you, and obviously I'm a big fan of yours. So thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you.